Welcome to StellarCast, the Stellar Recruitment Podcast. Let's go on an inspiring journey. By listening, learning, and taking key actions from our own recruitment experts, as well as industry leaders and inspirational individuals. By unlocking our own transformative change, we can all become the best versions of ourselves. Right, guys, we've got uh, Diz Watkins, Managing Director of Watkins uh, Steel here today. Uh, amazing business, innovating heavily, uh, really disrupting uh, an industry that's been so similar for, for such a long time. So you'll pick up the energy, you'll pick up the vision, uh, amazing business uh, going uh, in a great direction, growing at a rate of knots. So I really hope you enjoy the podcast. Thank you. Des, thanks for joining us, uh, MD of Watkins Steel. So um, I guess we'll sort of start with uh, saying congrats. You guys, uh, you know, not so long ago celebrated a huge milestone, uh, 50 years in business, which is uh, no mean feat. I sort of want to go back to the start and go, how did the business start? But then I guess fast forward today and go, well, what does the business include today? Because it's quite diversified and progressive. So go to the beginning and then I guess fast forward to where we are today. Sure. Well, Sean, first of all, thank you very much for having us here today and looking forward to it. But yeah, look, I've been um, fortunate enough and I'm grateful that my father started Watkins Steel back in 1968, which you can do back then, you know, starting as a steel fabrication company under the, under the house at Hendra. <laughs> and uh, bit by bit, and just, it just turns out that every, every 10 years we've moved factories or it took 10 years to get to the first factory. But every 10 years we move factory and we double in size. And I think for about the last three factories, it was always a case of this will do us now. We won't need to move again. Now we've just moved um, factories again. We've doubled in size again, so our footprint now is is coming up to eight thousand square meters. And already there's plans about where well, we won't be able to fit in a paint line. We won't be able to fit in this. So the ten year progression is is looking pretty good. And, and in terms of the suite of services you're offering your customer base at the moment, it's quite a diversified business now. So oh, sure. how, how do you describe it? What are the different offerings? Well, sure. You've got to remember that it started as a steel fabrication business. And steel fabrication by its very nature is only one step away from being a blacksmith. So it's a very simple, standard, straightforward process where you buy steel, you cut steel, you drill steel, you paint it, you install it. Metalwork and structural steel. What's happened is because of the uh, the competitive nature of steel fabrication, we had to do something different. And uh, because we we're competing with the other 400 steel fabricators in Southeast Queensland on man hours per ton and, and price, we uh, we looked at ways to offer a different service. That led us to do some research overseas where we started on our venture of automation and robotics. So we uh, commissioned our first line of robotics in November 2014. And Sean, that was the start of a journey that's just completely changed our business today. So what what it turned out was the robotics was only as good as the information we were feeding it, which meant that we had to upgrade all of our Tecla software to the latest version. But the Tecla software, which is an engineering software for steel detailing, was only as good as the information we're getting from site, which led us then to laser scanning our sites and developing point clouds. But that was only as good as the information when you take it back to site to install the steel, which then led us to point cloud technology and um, a total station. So now we lay out our site without the need of a string line, chalk line, or tape measure. So you're really just making a big Meccano set, which is error-free. You're digitalizing a typical construction site. Well, it seems like uh, a dramatic shift from, I guess, the typical steel fabricator. And, and I guess the question is, you know, 
are you a fabricator or are you more of a technology business now well, and, hey, and people business, of course? Well, great question because what's happened is to learn more about the whole process, I've had to send people all over the shop. So they go to uh, workshops, seminars, conferences overseas. But what that's done is that's introduces this whole new world of digitalization, like um, a digital transformation. So now we're branching into virtual reality, augmented reality, 3D printing. And so what's happened is we've actually spun off what can steal to another company called Holovision, which is now the technology company because people don't associate technology with a traditional steel company. And Holovision's growing faster than what can steal. So now we've got an office in Melbourne, North Queensland, Darwin, and we're looking at going further afield. We've had approached from overseas to do some sort of collaboration. And I love where it's going. It's, it's exciting because there's no end goal and things are changing so fast. Right now is the slowest that things are going to move. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, credit to you and the vision and I guess the, the team that have made all this possible. But I've come to know you uh, really well uh, over a number of years, Des, and watched the business evolve and expand. And, and you touched on some of those things really. I've seen politicians and other dignitaries come out to Watkins to sort of see how you guys are embracing technology and innovation as it relates to manufacturing. So can you sort of touch on you know, some of those innovations that you guys have embraced and implemented so far? And I guess what's the vision right. this is looking forward? I was hoping you'd ask that question. <laughs> the, um, the, the best thing about it is that there's no end goal. And um, what I always say is that anybody can copy what we're doing today, they can't copy what we're doing tomorrow. And there's so much opportunity out there. For me, there's, there's a couple of frontiers. One is I believe there's a massive opportunity when it comes to animation and showing the sequential construction process within virtual reality or augmented reality and link it to a program, a construction program, whether it be for tender submission, workplace health and safety, or even just, just showing the staff how it goes together on site. That's one. The second one that uh, is a real focus for me at the moment is with our robotics department and end-to-end automation. And even though it's going to be have massive implications for the construction industry, it can affect every industry. So what we've, uh, we've been lucky enough that with our robotics program, it's, it's led by a, uh, a Brazilian doctor who's got his PhD in the visualization for driverless vehicles. And we're trying to use that technology to make it compatible with a, with a robotic arm. Now, a normal robotic arm works in an XYZ axis, but if you can give a robotic arm geospatial awareness, it can actually visualize so it's not reliant on a set of coordinates. If you can put that robotic arm onto an AGV, an autonomous ground vehicle, you have movement. So if you've got movement and something that can see, that's the introduction to droids. So we have droids running around. It, it can totally transform not just the steel industry, but most industries. But what uh, the other argument is that it isn't going to take jobs. What we've found is that for every line of robotics we've commissioned at the moment, we've employed an additional 10 people. And just our business modeling shows that when we get our robotic welders up and running, we'll need another 25 people in various roles. So even now, out of a workforce of 100 people, there's over 20 of those are doing jobs that didn't exist just even a couple of years ago. And even now, we're looking for more drafties, we're looking for more mechatronic engineers. Yeah, it's moving fast. Yeah, no, it's exciting. And, and I guess, you know, to draw some sort of comparison, we sort of seen what Domino's did with embracing technology and innovation in a commoditized industry. They hadn't really changed for years and years and what that did to transform that business. Certainly seems like you guys are embarking on a similar journey uh, within another competitive industry, which is steel fabrication. So it's amazing sort of hearing uh, of some of that innovation. I guess, you know, one of the things I've seen in the business also is that family connection. Um, and it seems like a really, you know, even though you're growing at a rate of knots, uh, there's still that family feel. Um, obviously, the business was started by your father, 
and you come into the business and now it seems like yeah, your girls are showing an interest Mate. and starting to get involved <clears throat> in the business. So wh- why are you guys so passionate about what you do? Well, I, I suppose it's, um, look, I love what I do. I love that because you can actually see what you're doing. And it's funny you talk about um, like my father started and I've got, as you know, three teenage daughters. Mm-hmm. When I was their age, my father taught me how to weld, how to cut steel. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to teach my daughters how to laser scan, how to program robotics, yeah. which is just the changing nature of, of the industry. And, um, but the other thing too is that the rate that the industry is changing, no matter what role they'd like to take, whether it be engineering, whether it be HR, whether it be marketing, there is so many functions now. It's no longer a smaller Banyo-based operation. We're just doing the army barracks in Vanuatu. We finished a hospital in New Guinea. We're about to do a shopping centre in Townsville. So it's not just now limited to southeast Queensland. And what we're finding is there's more and more opportunities further afield. We just had a visit from a South Australian company wanting to collaborate with us. Uh, so look, I love where just the diverse nature of, and where it's going. Well, I think passion and uh, and energy is contagious. So no doubt, obviously, your passion for the business has rubbed off to, to your girls now coming through the business as well and just sort of listening to the story, you can't help but sort of get caught up on it. This question might be a, a hard one because there's probably a number of examples to sort of draw on, but as you look back over time, what are some of the, the things that you're most proud of in terms of, you know, the moments or achievements that, that you've sort of witnessed over that period of time? I don't think there's one particular moment, but I think it's the process. And um, I think it's embracing the people and the staff that I've got. And one thing I do realize is that everyone's got a story and everyone's got a skill set. And I love attracting, especially some of the young, um, smart engineers, and there's some, some good young kids there. But, um, and what we do is we buy them whatever hardware they want, whatever software they want. And their position description is to surprise and delight. So <laughs> if we, if I come up with a wacky idea they want to try and work on, they may not do it. But the spin-offs from it, um, you know, there's some incredibly innovative the projects that they've come up with that you've got benefit that you didn't realise there was value at the start. And I think that by embracing and trying to grow or nurture that robotics program we've got in the R&D hub, uh, there will be a lot of other spin-offs to other industries. So one thing we have worked on, is even with the techless software that can now detail other trades, if you can digitalize a construction site or a manufacturing process, you can get every trade working from day one without the need to wait for a trade to finish. So you're taking weeks or even months out of any construction program. The limiting factor for that is not every trade has CNC machines, not every trade can open the files. But that's just one opportunity of many that we can see happening. Yeah, wow. Seems uh, seems amazing. Some of those things you're stumbling across through opening the blinkers around doing things differently. And I think uh, some of the feedback I've spoken to your team about is you're very empowering and welcoming of new ideas and quick to embrace it. So if someone's got a new idea, sure, go buy the software. Sure, let's go do that. You know, so it's not that old school management of your way is the only way. You're very much open to, to different ideas and perspectives. And it sounds like you've got some bright, talented people in the business now. Oh, and yeah, what they say, if you're the smartest one in the room, you're in trouble. I think I've got, <laughs> I've got uh, no fear of that at all at Watkins Steel. <laughs> it was pretty liberating when I realized that I was redundant. Um, it, it took a bit, you know, to swallow the ego. But um, <laughs> when they uh, sit me in the corner with a coloring in book and some pens and tell me to just entertain myself, then I, I realized that, yeah, well, this actually, this is where I give value. Well, well evidently it's working, you know, <laughs> based on the rate of, of growth and, and all that sort of stuff. So it's working. So maybe uh, you're onto something there. So... I want to sort of talk about, you you talk about that rate of growth, that rate of development, new people coming into the business, new service offerings, those sorts of things. I mean, really, the industry you're in is renowned for the cyclical nature of it. 
And therefore, I guess the derivative of that for people working in that is peaks and troughs. Mm. So I'm busy today, I'm not busy tomorrow, whether it's trades or other people involved in that. How are you going about, you know, I guess, creating a consistent and stable pipeline of work that really gives you workforce, I guess, growth opportunities, but stability, which is so important? Yeah, it's a hard one because, as you know, the construction industry, manufacturing, it does have its peaks and troughs. We're very fortunate, and I believe you don't need to be the best in your industry. You just need to be above average. And if you're above average, you'll get the above average amount of opportunities, the above average amount of work. What we have done, though, is by understanding our supply chain better, doing a bit of design and innovation, some of our competitors and some of our suppliers are now our biggest customers. So we're processing steel work for other steel fabricators and steel merchants. We're doing fabrication work for other steel companies. And I think by spreading the amount of customers that we work for, we've mitigated that risk so we're not reliant on one or two or 10 customers. And I think our customer base now is over 300. And um, by examining the market further, what I've realized is how big the market actually is. So just in Southeast Queensland, just in our market, it's about $2 billion a year. So take away the work we do in the outer regions, we've got about 1% of the market. So I think there's no excuse not to have as much work as you want. Couple that with there's over 600,000 tonnes imported from China alone every year, let alone other um, Asian countries. So by being more competitive, by introducing robotics, automation, digitalization, you can start tapping into some of that work that is getting imported. So right now, we're manufacturing caravan chassis that were getting done overseas. So by being more efficient, by introducing more robotics, by taking more man hours per tonne, we can start tapping into that market. So we're getting better at ironing out the peaks and troughs. It's always still a challenge, but by doing that, you're offering um, continuity of work and uh, you're also giving the uh, staff opportunities to invest in their own training. Yeah. Well, it seems like not only you know the market share that you can gain locally is significant, but you're also creating new markets by becoming more competitive in, in a way that you know historically you couldn't be competitive through the use of innovation and efficiencies and technology and all that sort of stuff. So the, the pie is getting bigger and mm. bigger. And the, the challenge is that a lot of people aren't aware of what's on offer, which is why we've engaged in a marketing campaign to try and increase our profile and try and uh, let people know the value in virtual reality and augmented reality and how it can be used in something like construction that you don't really associate that technology with. So to be able to have a site meeting on site with another person and you're both in your own offices is something that would take a little bit of getting used to. Because we've imported a point cloud from a laser scanner at site into VR and AR, you can now get an accurate measurement on site from your office, which is something that no one's really done before. And I'm sure that there would be value in a lot of areas, especially in remote locations where people can't get to. And even now with during the COVID where you can't meet face-to-face, Another area that we've got the technology to do but we haven't done it yet is holograms. And that's something completely different again. It looks it looks space age. It looks incredible. Wow. I mean, uh, slight segue for anyone that, you know, I guess the, the 
precursor to this next comment is I think you've got to see it to believe it. So I think for anyone who wants to go out to Watkins and, and have a look at what you guys are doing and the virtual reality and everything else, the line of robotics, uh, I'd encourage you to maybe reach out to the guys at Watkins because you kind of got to see it to believe it. Uh, oh, some of the stuff you, you're doing isn't really anywhere else in Australia, maybe globally it is and all that sort of stuff. So you guys are leaders. So I really encourage you know anyone that um, is interested to get out there and have a look and I think you're a chief tour guy, don't you? Yes. <laughs> and what I love is, I mean, it's been quite a few months since you've been out there. Yep. It's different again. Yeah. So what they've done now with animation, and we've done an animation to show the uh, location of the crane for Queen's Wharf and how it's going to miss the freeway and the lifting sequence. Just to show that animation from a workplace health and safety point of view is all about risk mitigation. Yeah, amazing, amazing. So perhaps no one better than you to describe the culture. So how would you describe the culture and the DNA of Watkins? And I guess, you know, uh, getting you to look inward for a moment, how, how would you sort of describe your leadership style? I don't know if servant leadership would be the right um, right description, agile, but um, really the uh, the best best example I can give was um, it took two years for us to buy our first laser scanner. When the staff came to me wanting to buy it, I thought, why do you want to spend $70,000 on a piece of kit when I've got a uh, tape measure can do the same job? <laughs> When I finally relented and bought the first laser scanner and when I saw it could do, when I saw what it could do, that's like almost a, uh, a light bulb moment where I realized, okay, buddy, just get out of the way now. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're the one impeding the, um, yep. these guys. Yep. And so by giving, giving everybody ownership, and I, I always joke about it, but it's true, the best resource I can give any of my staff isn't a new computer, isn't a PA. The best resource is a credit card, which is really a metaphor for trust. Mm. And, and um, so their mum being able to make those decisions themselves. I always like being kept informed, but the answer is always yes. Yep, yep. And I guess, you know, yeah, and we'll touch on this maybe in a moment about that sort of empowering and, and, and trusting sort of style of leadership that you sort of describe. How do, you, how do you describe the culture? You know, when you walk into the business, what does it feel like? And what, what do you, How do you guys sort of define that culture? Um, hard question. Um, in terms of defining the culture, it's I think if you love what you do, you're passionate about what you do, you can actually see the signs of development. Uh, we've embraced a culture of change and we've got momentum. Um, with our R&D workshops that are held fortnightly, people have ownership and can uh, put forward their own suggestions and um, they can work on it. So by giving staff ownership, by giving them the opportunity to learn, by letting them determine what's the best study, conferences, courses that they can do for their own betterment, I think the conundrum is you're making staff employable anywhere, so then it's my role to make sure they don't want to go anywhere else. Well, I think based on the longevity of a, a lot of your key staff, evidently they, they enjoy being part of their culture, and I think as you guys continue to grow and expand, that creates opportunity. And I think that it's still reasonably rare that you've got an environment where if you've got a great idea – you can embark on that quite quickly. I mean, a lot of bigger bureaucratic sort of companies, you just can't do that. It just takes too long. It gets shut down. It's got to go to board, all the rest of it. But mm. I've heard frequently people come to you with an idea that, you know, requires a, a fair sum of investment and you're like, right here, let's go. There's no board meeting. There's no sort of, you and know, final sure. investment decisions. Like, sounds good. Let's have a go. And I'll tell you what's even better than that is when I walk down to the middle level where most of the IT is, 
And I say, gee, what, what's that? Oh, we, we, we just we just did that. <laughs> did we? Yeah. <laughs> so the cheap way out of it is then I take ownership. I say, yeah. <laughs> I did that. No, well, I think, I think the other thing is, you know, people like to be part of winning businesses, businesses that are growing, succeeding, achieving. And I think, you know, you guys have been front and centre for awards. Obviously, you've had politicians, all the rest. Of, there's, a, there's a lot of focus on what you guys are doing further to your customers and that sort of thing. So I think that's really exciting. I'm keen to understand... Obviously, you've invested heavily in technology. You're growing the capabilities of your team and yourself. You you started, I think, uh, as a teacher, then Boilermaker. Now you've gone on to do things like Harvard University and a bunch of other things, you know, to grow yourself. I mean, what drives you to do all this? Sean, I really want to shake up the industry. Yeah. I was having a, a conversation um, just before we started about how really the, the blacksmith industry was for centuries that any innovation at all. And then the next biggest disruptor or innovator was the, the, the invention or the usage of large-scale rivets for holding steel together. And you think, well, after that, stick welding or soldering, there hasn't been much since the welding process until the advent of CAD drawing and CNC machines. So there's really been nothing until about now where you're starting to get into the whole digital transformation with robotics, animation, and it's merging a lot of industries together. But... What's happening is it's not just for the steel industry, it's for almost every industry. So if you can get those robotics that, and people use the term artificial intelligence, but if you can get any robotic um, system to read off a set of uh, plans that our, our draftsmen do, and you give them the, that geospatial awareness or visualization, that's as close as what you'll get to artificial intelligence. But the best thing is that if you can get a robot doing a function like a weld, every time it does a weld, through machine learning, it's increasing the data bank. So the more robotic welders you can get out there, the more welds they can do. Everyone's slightly different. goes into the data bank. So the money's not in the robotic welding. The money's in the licensing, in the software. So it's about now trying to get those robotic welders out there, geospatial awareness, and doing the welding, relating it back to the Tecla software. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, clearly you're uh, super inquisitive about how things can be done differently or better Whereas for years and years, everyone's just subscribed to the status quo and that sort of prevailed. And that, so obviously this is what's possible today, but uh, based on your R&D activity and, and the way your mind works, I dare say there's going to be more and more iterations, improvements, innovations. Oh, and, and just for that point there, Sean, but everybody talks about you know, manufacturing's dead in Australia. I don't believe there's ever been a greater opportunity for, for manufacturing in Australia. And I think with uh, embracing on this path, we can start bringing so much more back on shore. And look, I think the, the governments have done a great job, not so much in specific education, but for the education through TAPE systems, there's some great young kids out there. And by giving them the opportunity and embracing it, uh, geez, looking, it's looking really bright. I think the future's looking really good. And if you can start bringing more of that stuff on shore, unemployment will be zero. You know, we're going to be needing more people. And uh, robotics creates jobs. They don't replace jobs. And it's a different skill set. So if anybody, if any you know, young kids out there, you know, as a as a gamer, yeah, you know, that's where the future is. The gaming's like so closely um, related to the animation and uh, some of the programming. It's a new skill set. It, it's a skill set I don't possess. And um, you might have seen it when you're Watkins Steel or at Holovision. They seem to operate the equipment so much more seamlessly than what we do. Mm-hmm. We're clunky, whereas they're just smooth at it. Yeah. So all those years of gaming's paid off. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. So, yeah, well, I guess they come at it from a different angle to what, you know, someone like uh, yourself or other people that have been grown up in that sector, they just look at it in a different way. And yeah. I think that's exciting and you're drawing on talent from a completely different industry. And like you said before, obviously, I think the talent 
talent base and application uh, and industries emerging. I mean, arguably, you guys are a technology business, whereas, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you'd say, well, you're a steel fabricator. Absolutely. That's yeah. what you are. So I think that's, uh, that's exciting. Now, obviously, anyone who's listened to this podcast will pick up. You've got a, a lot of entrepreneurial flair. You've got a lot of energy. You've got a lot of drive. The business is growing. I guess the question, you know, for people to find out a little bit more about you, how do you manage to switch off? How do you manage to get a bit of harmony in amongst all this because the business is so exciting and so consuming, no doubt? How do you, how do you achieve that harmony? Mate, look, I, I, it's hard because I love work. You know, weekends I'll get out of work and I, I love it. <laughs> and I love that, you know, with the uh, the intention of trying to shake up the industry, one thing that is great, a release, and, and trying to add something close to your heart as well is is physical exercise. So um, I try and run. Um, I, I try and tackle the odd marathon. Not very well, mind you, but um, so yeah, running is a great release, and I, I run with a great bunch of people, and um, that, uh, you know, and when you're out there running, you, know, you solve the world's problems as well. Yep. And uh, sometimes, you know, some great ideas come when you're just out there, you know, in the zone. Yep. Well, I think you, uh, I think you undersell yourself when you say you try to run. I mean, anyone who does a marathon is a big deal, but anyone who does a marathon on the Great Wall of China is a whole nother level again. <laughs> so, you know, you're very humble in what you're saying, but uh, couldn't agree more. I think, uh, you know, when you're out exercising all the rest of it, the endorphins are flowing, you may be away from technology, you're having some conversation. I think the ideas flow. It's a great way to switch off. So, and again, I think uh, some of the, anyone who follows you on Strava will realize that uh, you're not a passive runner. You know, I think some of the cases sure, you, you do- you're too kind. So you're too very kind. impressive. So I guess we sort of near the end of the podcast, I kind of want to uh, narrow in on a couple of final questions, but speaking to a few people in preparation for this, you know, there's themes uh, that people sort of comment on around your energy, your vision, your empowering style, leadership, your loyalty, willingness to invest in business ideas or innovations uh, within the business is all very apparent. I guess my question for you is, you know, how do you describe or sell the business to your customers or potential staff? Mate, not well. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't do a good job of that at all. If I concentrate on doing what I do yep. to the best that I can, yep. if I try and uh, grow the business yep. through its service offerings, yep. through its different value propositions, I'm hoping to attract the right the right culture, the right people, the right customers. Yep. And uh, we're fortunate in a way that whether it be construction, whether it be manufacturing, it's such a transient industry with people moving from one company to another. It's all about relationships. If you get on well with somebody and you're right cultural fit and they go somewhere else, not only are you working for their previous company, they'll take you to the new company. And um, sometimes it's also about saying no. And you know, the more you say no, the better you go. And I also joke about every now and again, you got to work for a real prick to appreciate the good ones. And we're fortunate. We work for some great people. Mm. And um, you look at even our, our top 20 customers, very few of them, we do all of their work. Mm. And um, most of them, we do less than 20% of their work. So the opportunity to do more for people like that the challenge is taking the focus away from price and onto the value, whether it be speed to market, risk mitigation, or helping them win work through animation or through laser scanning a site before you start. But um, there's never been a greater opportunity. Yeah, well, I think uh, I think you nail it in the sense that if, you, if you're just competing on price, it's a race to the bottom. Yep. But if you're trying to solve solutions or help them win or innovate or mitigate risk and all that sort of stuff, then you help them. And in doing so, that creates opportunity for the business. You know, so, and I think uh, sitting here today and talking to you, you know, it's just so apparent the ideas and the vision you've got around how you can innovate. And obviously, you're executing on that. It's not just ideas, you're executing on that. And I think that's creating opportunity for people within the business to sort of grow and expand. And the industry's small, right? So people talk. Yeah. You, know, you guys are doing things differently. And I think people sort of want to be part of that. 
which is great. So I guess, you know, just as we sort of round the podcast out, you talk about this expanding footprint of the business, you talk about the growing team. What are some of the, the key skills that the business is going to need moving forward to capitalise on all this opportunity? Recruitment and retention of the right staff. Yep. I think our drafting, like any any organisation, any company that, that deals in steel fabrication would realise that uh, steel detailing is, is a bottleneck. So we're on a uh, great campaign at the moment with high schools, colleges, TAFEs and universities with our trainee program for Tecla Draftsman. Our head roboticist that leads up our robotic program is attracting some really you know, bright young kids. And we're starting an animation department. We've actually got a meeting with Gold Coast TAFE that's got a, a great multimedia department um, tomorrow about um, trying to get more students that can work within animation with the new software we've got within VR and AR. So it's, it's more about getting the right staff, giving them the opportunities, and uh, then retaining them. I think that's, that's fantastic. I love that you guys are investing deep into the supply chain, if you can call it that, for, to create those pathways and careers for people to sort of become part of the, the journey. So as opposed to just sort of you know, pinching from the existing market, you're actually trying to create new talent pools and, and new people to sort of join. I guess, the industry, which is a, a real positive. And I'll I, I just close with saying congratulations on what you guys have, have achieved. I think it's been amazing watching the journey, particularly from my perspective over the last 10 years. I think it's, it's exciting. I don't doubt where the business is going. There's some great things in front of you. So I think anyone that uh, is seriously considering a move or considering Watkins as a place to, to work, I think the, the consistent theme is that of excitement, growth, energy, passion for what you guys do, and you're doing things differently. So I think in a world where people so often just sort of maintain the status quo, I think the work that you guys are doing is amazing. So congrats on everything and good luck with what comes next. Sean, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to StellarCast. This show aligns with why Robbie McIlwraith and Sean McCambridge co-founded the company. Their mission was to help and nurture others to reach and exceed their potential. For trusted recruitment and career advice, contact Stella today.